You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. If you have your Bible, we will be in Acts 2. Um, and then you can also put your finger on 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. So Lord, we just, uh, we give you this morning. We give you this time, God. We honor you. We love you. God, we are, you are so faithful to us in this time, God. Lord, that you have ordained the times in which we are living in, God. Those who are here this morning, Lord, it's for your, for your glory, God. Lord, I pray, God, that our ears would be open and our hearts would be open to what you want to share to your church today, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, for myself. I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth, Lord, would be of you. Lord, I pray, God, that it would bring life. I pray, God, that it would strengthen up and build up each other, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that there would be just hearts today, God, that are hungry for what you want to share. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen. Awesome. So we are in a mini-series, the Ecclesia. And Jody, for the last two weeks, have been explaining to us what the ecclesia is. And we know that that is a Greek word for the assembly, for the gathering of the called out ones. And the heart of this series is to have an understanding and to deepen our understanding of what this local church does. What, the, what, what are we a part of as a local church? And last week, Jody brought a message of uh, talking about the biblical leadership that and the roles and the positions that take place in the local church. And um, I think it's an amazing message. I think it, it just brings clarity to why we do the things we do. And I think that's important to always have a why of why we are doing what we do and why we do things. Um, but the, 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 um, the roles were the priesthood of all believers. Say priesthood of all believers. We talked about deacons, say deacons. And we talked about elders. Elders, you guys can say elders. You got it. Sorry, that was a little choppy. The potty word? Um, I, now I'm already distracted. So let me just go off on a tangent. Jody said that we do not use the word bishop in the life of our church. And I just want to use this time to say that uh, me and Ken use the word bishop in the life of our church. <laughs> Just want to be, well, I just want to clarify. <laughs> we might have to stop, but we do want to be um, open and honest in the life of our church. <laughs> if you can, tell your neighbor that they are the church. Tell your neighbor that they are the church. Say, we are the church. We are the church. We have a lot of bad habits that we use. On a daily basis, probably bad habits that I'll probably use this morning. But this building right here is not the church. It's not. It's the church building. This building is what housed the church. And I, I don't know it all, but I was just kind of thinking back. But what was that little like nursery rhyme uh, uh, about the that this is the the church? This is the steeple. Open the doors, and here's and here's the people. And how wrong is that nursery rhyme? Because as we open the doors, we see 
the church. We see the church. Amen. We are the church. The church is the people. We understand that the ecclesia is a Greek word for the assembly or gathering. But not just to ourselves, but the gathering of those who have been called out. Been called out by Jesus. There's lots of different words that we see the church uh, be called in the word of God. And that's a nation and a family, a temple, a priesthood, a body, a bride, and an army. And no matter which of those you subscribe to as, I like that. I like the bride. I like the army. I like the idea of a family. Whether it, whatever it is, that is the church. That is the church. And we understand that Jesus is the head of the church. It's not a man. It's not a pastor. It's Jesus. Jesus is the head of his church. And this morning, I have the privilege to shine some light on what it is the local church does. What the local church does. And there's tons of things that we do in the life of our church that we just do because we do it. There's tons of things that we, 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 we've lived out or we've been a part of in other churches that we think, why doesn't our church do that? There's tons of things of that nature. And there's tons of things that divide us as a local church. And to be honest, those things that we do or we wish we do or things we don't do is usually rooted in a bit of selfishness. It's because we like it or it's because we, we like certain things or we like certain flavors or we, why don't we do this? And I, when my other church, we used to do this and that made me feel a certain way. And, but usually those things that we do rooted in selfishness or it's, it's rooted in comfort or it's just rooted in preference. And, and that's what, what we are about this morning, church. Um, so the things that we do in the, lo in the local church, some questions that we may have some things that we might be wrestling with, some questions we might have of, of just why or what or whatever. Do we need to have bright lights or dim lights? Or do we need to have spotlights on the church? Do we need to have the volume high or do we have, should we have the volume low? Do we need an older building? Or, you know, why don't we have a state-of-the-art building? Why don't we have a storefront building? Why don't we have a commercial building? Do we read verses uh, of the Bible, verse by verse? Or do we do topical messages? Do we need pastors to shout a lot so that we know that they're really serious? Or do we need to be edgy and hip just so we can connect with the young people? Do we need to have a top-notch coffee? Yes? Right. That's a preference. Definitely need top-notch coffee. Do our kids' ministry need to look like they're just inter-Disneyland? Do we need to serve those people? Or do we, how about we, why don't we serve those people? Or maybe we should go out and we should serve those people. Or do those things. Should our service be 30 minutes long? Or should it be four hours long? How many of you say four, four hours long? two-hour worship session. We can get lost in focusing on those little things of 
doing and why we do those things and why aren't we doing these things and they do those things and why aren't we doing those things. I do want to say that everything that I'm going to talk about this morning, not saying that any of those things are bad. Just to be clear, loud worship is not bad. It's not from the devil. Despite what you think, it's not. Loud worship is good. It's fine worship. Hymns and, and quiet and acoustic worship is, is just as good and powerful and God loves it as well. Okay, coffee or no coffee, I understand how I feel about that. But guess what? If our coffee machine broke, God is still good and God is still faithful. Right? The only thing that the Lord detests are smoke machines. It's in the Bible somewhere. But we get we get lost and we get we start focusing on these things. And sometimes we we why do we do the things we do? Why why is there a giant Jesus sign with lights? Why are we doing those things? And sometimes we do things just because we read it in a book. Sometimes we do things because it worked for very smart people. So we try to adopt those things and we try to adapt to those things. And we say, oh yeah, we just, we're just going to keep doing this because that's the way it worked in 15 years ago. We do things because it makes sense to us or it's comfortable for us. We do things because it worked for another church or we, we, we saw it on YouTube. Or it's just simple, like I said, the answer is we just simply have always done it that way. But I do believe that sometimes there needs to be a refocusing and a realigning. And that word realigning has been something that we have talked about as this whole year of a refocusing and reshifting and realigning of what is God calling this church to be? And what is God calling this church to do as a local church? So we've talked about core values, and, and that gives us a little insight of what we're all about and what we believe. But we understand that we don't come here for half an hour just so we can sing a couple of songs and we can feel better about ourselves, check off our religious duty, and then we can go have lunch right after. That's not church. That's an event. That's a Sunday morning event that we do from 10 a.m. to 11.30. And the church is over. The minute we say amen, we leave these, this room and we leave these doors and then we just live. That's, that's not the church that, God, uh, that Jesus died for. We don't come in here, sing a few songs, open a Bible, close our Bible, never to open it up until we, the, the week after and we just try to squeeze out all that, the strength we can so we can make it out to next week's church service. That's not what the church does. That's not how the church is supposed to be. That can't be it. That's not church. Do we just attend the church or are we the church? And as we read and as we've heard the last two weeks, we understand that we are the church. The people, the lives that are represented here in this building, you are the church. You are the church, Lewis. We are the church. We are the church. The people are the church. It's not the building. It's not the events. It's not the programs. It's not the lights. It's not the music. It's not everything that we feel, the, the fluffy feelings we feel. That's not church. That's just the building. That's an experience. We are the church. But God isn't calling us to wrestle and to get stuck about preferences and worrying about this and that. And why do we do that? And why don't we do this? And why is there no coffee? And is it really church if there's no coffee? And 
why are there new fans? And I like the old fans. And we're not worried about that. That's, that is a, a little bit of a plug. Look at our fans. They're, not, they're awesome. Thank you, Val. And Linton. So what does the local church do? What does the local church do? We cannot let these things be a staple or a focus for us as a church. The things I've listed are not bad. They are nice things, but that's not what we need to focus on. That's not what makes us the church. Most of the things that I listed operate inside a building. In the four walls of the church. But like I said, we are not a building. Amen? So what is the church about? What are we about? What is this church, RLA, this local church? What do we do? In the grand scheme of the universal church and this world, what is RLA about? What do we do? This church must be about the king's business. We're not focused on political stuff. We're not on Facebook. We're not, we're not arguing with people. We're not beating people into the kingdom of God. We're not yelling at people. We're not forcing people to, to come to church. That's not what we are about. Us as a church must be about the king's business. And his business is advancing his kingdom. The king's business is advancing his kingdom. It's about advancing God's rule and reign in this world that we live in. And the church, and when I say the church, I'm saying us, we, we are the vehicle through which the kingdom of God advances. Did you guys get that? The church, us, we are the vehicle through which the kingdom of God advances. As we proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and we model what happens in the kingdom, it releases God's reign and rule just as Jesus did. We're not about Steve's kingdom. We're not about Steve's business. We're not about King's, uh, kids' ministry's kingdom or rise up kingdoms. It's not even RLA's kingdom. We must be, as a church, about the king's business, advancing the king's kingdom. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 4. So from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. That was Jesus's message. Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4, 23 he says, it, the Bible says that he went through all, throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Jesus went throughout all the cities, proclaiming that his kingdom is at hand, but yet has not fully manifested. So our job and our goal is to proclaim the good news. Jesus is Lord. He is good. Jesus has defeated Satan. We are free from sin and shame. There is salvation. That is our message, and that's how we advance the kingdom, by proclaiming the good news. Jesus has commissioned us. He commissioned his church, his people, to work out that victory into our workplaces, to work out that victory into our schools, 
to work out that message into our Starbucks, into our, our lunch tables, whatever it may be. Jesus has commissioned his people to work out his victory into the nations. And therefore, we each have a part to play within the church. Because we all are the church. As we advance God's kingdom together. It's not the elders role. It's not the deacons role. It's not tech team's role. It's our role. It's our role as the church to advance God's kingdom together. Amen. As I said, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our cities, in our homes, we must advance God's kingdom. That's our call. That's our mission. And we hear that a lot about God's kingdom. We, we say it quite often in this church. But what, what does that mean, God's kingdom? We hear terms and expressions a lot. It sounds good. It sounds powerful. But do we truly understand that idea of advancing God's kingdom? When we say the kingdom, it's the rule and reign of God and the place in which that rule is experienced. So you might think, man, I, I have a really terrible work workplace and, and they're cussing and it's just bad and it's just a terrible place to be in. But when you walk through those doors, as a believer, as a, a member of the church, you are now walking in with God's rule and reign. The kingdom is the rule and reign of God and the place in which that rule is experienced. The church enters in it, it lives under it, and is governed by it. The church is the community, community of the kingdom, but we need to understand the church is not the kingdom of God. The church is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom creates the church, and the church is it's the church's job. It's our job to witness to and about the kingdom. The church's job is to witness to and about the kingdom. That is our mission. And we hear terms like kingdom, and, and we obviously we think kings and queens and castles and dragons, and we, we don't really understand that idea, like kingdom, like what does that mean? And, and, and honestly, it's, it's just, we're, we're talking about God's rule and reign over humanity and over all creation. That's the kingdom. It's his peace, it's his abundance, it's his life. We might say, well, yeah, I don't, I don't need a king. I, I don't understand this thing of king. I, I, I want to say, I'm an American, I get a vote. I don't want to be a subject to a king. And we have a, a bad idea of kings. We, we watch movies and things, and the kings are always bad. They're always terrible. They're always ruling with iron fist, right? We, we understand, and we, that's the picture we get of a king, but we understand, we sang about it today, we have a good king. We serve a great king. We serve a loving king, not a worldly king that is taking over and using. There's no oppression here. There's no abuse. We understand that we are loved. We understand that there is abundance in the kingdom. We understand that there is safety in the kingdom. And most importantly, we know that there is life in the kingdom. And that's our mission. That's what we must do as a church. Advance the kingdom of God. Everything else is fluff. Everything else is extra. Everything else is good. But if we're not advancing the kingdom of God, then what are we doing? 
Amen. Let's go to Acts 2. So if we are supposed to advance this kingdom, it sounds pretty hard. It sounds like there's at least 200 scriptures in which we can know, like, okay, how do we advance this kingdom then? There has to be ideas. There has to be reasons. There has to be, you know, uh, books that we can read. How do we advance the kingdom? Because it sounds big and it sounds grand, and it is. But if we turn to Acts 2, and we see the picture of the early church, as the church is gathering together, we see the Holy Spirit fall, and we see the early church do just four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. There was no tanks that were needed. There was no swords that were needed. There was no battles that were needed to advance that kingdom. It was simply four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And that word, that, that the word is key, is they were devoted. They were devoted. How many of us can say that we are devoted to those things? That we are devoted to prayer, that we are devoted to, uh, to breaking of bread, that we are uh, devoted to the word and to the teaching. We must be devoted. And they devoted themselves to fellowship. As a church today, as this morning church, can we say that we are devoted to fellowship? Are we devoted to the person that's on your left and to your right? It's important. So the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. What was that teachings? Spirit-empowered prophetic preaching. It was a result in experiencing the joy and the liberty and the maturity and freedom that comes with the obedience to God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit. They read and they heard and they heard stories of what the apostles used to teach. They read the Old Testament. And they're, and they're reading this stuff, and, and it just wasn't, oh, those are nice words. It actually empowered them, and it actually brought joy to their lives. It, all, it, it brought liberty to their lives with the help of the power of the Holy Spirit. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Fellowship with others is what arises out of the fellowship with the person of Jesus Christ. If you don't like to fellowship with someone in this, in this building, if you don't like to meet new people, if you don't like to talk to new people, then my question is, or have we been fellowshipping with Jesus Christ? Because it's a direct correlation of, of spending time with Jesus makes me want to spend time with our, his people. Fellowship should be, should be distinguished from friendship. Some of us are great friends to the world. Some of us are great friends. And we are loyal and we are loving and we are amazing friends. And then we get into this church and then there's a disconnect. We get around believers and there's a disconnect. But we must fellowship together. We must be devoted to fellowship. It is reflected by each of us being part of one body and the members belonging to each other. You belong to the person to your left and to your right. You belong to them. We are the body of Christ. 
Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. That's Romans chapter 12, verse four to five. We belong to each other. We must be devoted to each other. This is true of every believer, say every believer. Being part of the universal church, but more specifically, being part of our local church. Fellowship within a local church body is outwork through the one another's that we read in scripture. And we read this a few weeks back, but I just want to share it with you again. Fellowship, we love one another. We care for one another. We serve one another. We show grace to one another. We forgive one another. We admonish one another. We keep fervent in love for one another. We use our gifts to serve one another, greet one another, be of the same mind towards one another. We speak in songs and hymns to one another. We build up one another. We comfort one another, pray for one another, live in peace for one another, seek after that which is good for one another. We close ourselves in humility towards one another, live in submission to one another, confess sins to one another, give preference to one another, honor and encourage one another. That is not a church that's just going through on a Sunday morning. You can't accomplish this type of life within an hour and a half section. This is life. This is fellowship. And that kind of living and love and fellowship with each other, that is how part of how the kingdom of God is advanced. And then it's the breaking of bread. And this refers to communion and the Lord's Supper. But even so, it's far more than that. Breaking bread calls us to look up to God with worship. It calls us to look back on the cross with faith, to look forward with hope and expectation, to look within, uh, to look within our lives with humility and to look around to others with love. That is breaking of the bread. Coming together and sitting around a table. It's not just eating a meal because we're hungry. It's not just something to do so we don't have to go to the market today. It's fellowship. Breaking of the bread is centered in Christ. It's remembering what he did on that cross and why he did it. It's more than just eating. It's a celebration of the death and the supernatural resurrection of Jesus and the resulting, uh, and the resulting salvation and victory we enjoy through faith in him. It's not just about the taco. It's not just about the soup. It's not just about gathering for the game. Jesus is the foundation. It's the reason. It's why we do it. And prayer. The early church devoted themselves to prayer. And there's no way around it. The early church prayed and they prayed constantly. And when they prayed, amazing things happened. The earth shook. Things changed. Lives changed when the early church prayed. And the, and the, the, the immediate text after 242 makes it very clear that the devotion to the teaching and to fellowship and to eating meals and prayer resulted in the good news of the kingdom being preached and the kingdom being advanced. How do I know that? Because the early church, there's numbers added to the early church. People were added to the early church and the Lord added to their numbers daily. Those who were being saved, it wasn't because the, the atmosphere it wasn't because it just felt good. 
It wasn't because it was cool and upbeat. It wasn't because, oh, everybody was young and so nice. It was because it was rooted in, in, in four foundations, marks of the church, important marks. The church is called to advance the kingdom of God into the neighborhoods, into our cities, and into our nations. That's the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission. That's advancing the good news. It's advancing the kingdom of God. It's not just, hey, come check out my church. It's really fun. Hey, just come check out our church once. Maybe you can hear the message. Maybe it'll tickle your ear, and maybe I can like trap you and get you. No, it's come experience what God is doing. It's come see what God can do and what God is doing. Not just in this building, but outside this building. Go and make disciples of all the nations, Matthew 28, 19. It's the great commission from our Lord and King. Go and make disciples. Leave this building and go outside. Leave this building and go be the church. If you have your Bibles, we can turn to Thessalonians. We are going to read basically Thessalonians 1 and 2. I promise we, we will get out on time. But in Thessalonians, uh, this book is written by Paul, it's written by Timothy and Silas, and they're writing to this church in, in Thessalonians. Thessalonica. And basically, it's a letter of Thanksgiving, which is pretty fitting that we are in Thanksgiving weekend or week. But it's a letter of Thanksgiving to God and an encouragement to this young church for his faith, for its love, for its hope, and his perseverance. And, and when we read 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, it's a look into the lives of these new believers who were the church. This, these new believers that were the church and they were experiencing some major hostility and they were facing some major persecution, but because of their faith, they were living lives marked by faith. And it's an, like I said, it's an encouragement and it's a reminder for us as the ecclesia to stand firm, to stand firm. So this thing about what does the church do? What does the local church do? There's tons of things that we can make a list about, about what we do here in RLA. The local church, what, what, what does it do? What does it look like? What, what does the ideal church look like practically? What, I would like to say, what are some marks of a church? We're not talking about activities. We're not talking about events. We're not talking about programs. We're talking about what does the church do? When the church is the church, when we are the church and we are advancing the kingdom, what does that look like? And I believe we can get tons of information from reading uh, Thessalonians here. Amen? All right. So let's read. It's going to be a little choppy, but uh, just stay with me. And it's already choppy. That was... That was to the church of Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Let's go to Thessalonians 3.8. You don't have to go with me. 
For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. So when I read this, it gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. What does the church do? It stands firm in the Lord. Our foundations are in God. Our foundation is built up on God. We build our lives on Jesus, nothing else. There's no other doctrine. There's no other idea. There's no other principle. We live our lives on God. We trust in Jesus and we stand firm in him. And then Paul writes, now I really live. We don't put our hope and trust in any man, in any organization, in any idea, in money, in people, in a movement. We stand on Christ. And when we do that, there is life. There is life. And there is a firm foundation. We understand why do we, why does the church stand on Jesus? Because he never changes. He never changes and he is always stable. That's where we stand on. Amen. Verse three, we remember before our God and father, your work produced by faith, your labor, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. What does the church do? The church works produce faith. We, we work in, la- in a labor of love and we, and, our, and uh, sorry, the church is one whose works work is produced by faith, whose labor is prompted by love and whose endurance is inspired by hope in Jesus. That's why we work. That's why we do what we do. We labor in love and is inspired by Jesus. We work by faith. We labor in love. We endure because we are inspired by the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, nothing else. Continuing, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. That he has chosen you. Moving on to verse, uh, chapter 4. As for others, matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. In fact, as in fact, you are living. Now we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Told you it was going to get messy. Too many numbers on my screen. The church understands that they are loved and they are chosen by God. And I was encouraged by what Sarah was speaking out this morning. It's important to know that us as a church, as a people, we are encouraged to know that we are loved and that we are chosen by God. We know that our salvation is secure, but we just didn't get a free, get out of hell free card. We have the Holy Spirit empowering us to not stay the same. I'm going to find that scripture. Second Thessalonians 13 and 17 says, but we ought to always, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through your, the sanctifying work of the spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel. 
that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself, God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us an eternal encouragement and a good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. We didn't just receive a get out of free hell card or get out of hell free card. We got the Holy Spirit and he empowers us to not only not to stay the same, but to strengthen ourselves and to move forward and to be sanctified in Christ. Amen. Going back to verse uh, chapter one. We're on verse five now. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. The church receives the whole counsel of God, not only in word, but also in power and with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. There is power. It's not just receiving a word, but it's allowing that word to take root and to bring power to our lives. And it brings deep conviction. First Thessalonians 1.6, moving on. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message, or you for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. What does the church do? It becomes more and more like Christ. The church should be imitators of Christ. The church should do what He did. That's what the church should do. The church should do what He did. The church is an example to others of the privilege and the purpose of the local church. And that's verse seven. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. The church is a model of the goodness of God. We are an example and it's a privilege and purpose of the local church is to model what God is doing. Verse eight. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. This church in Thessalonica became a model where everyone knew what they were doing. It was a model to the city. And the church ensures that the message of the true gospel rings out. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For them themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us, they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The ecclesia worships God alone. They worship God and only God. And we might say, of course we do. As a local church, of course we only worship God. But sometimes if we're going to be honest, our mouths and our actions say otherwise. 
the things that come out of our mouth and the actions and what we do with our time and what we do with our finances say otherwise. And the church in Thessalonica, they worshiped God and they worshiped alone and it was evident what they did and what they were about, the things of the Lord. We understand that the church is humble. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 to 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. We submit to God's word. Oh, I'm in the wrong. I'm in the wrong, big time wrong chapter. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as, as, it, as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who you believe. We submit to God's word. What does the local church do? We submit to God's word. Moving on to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I understand this is shaky, guys. But if you're taking notes, you can re read them. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it is best to be left by ourselves in Athens, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and to encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials, for you know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it is and it turned out the way that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the temper, the, temp, the tempter had tempted you and our labors might have been in vain. When I read that, I'm hearing that what does the church do? The church is resilient. The church is full of faith. The church perseveres under persecution, under pressure. When bad things happen, we don't fall back. When bad things arise, we don't run out the door. We persevere, even under persecution, even under pressure. What does the local church do? We fight. We don't quit. We stand and we trust. And we, told, we hold tight to the truth that Jesus has given us under pressure and under persecution. Amen? The church loves one another deeply, encourages one another endlessly, and possesses a love that grows more and more. That's 1 Thessalonians 4. <laughs> 9 through 10. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you, for yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. That's a portion of the scripture of the local church, loving endlessly, not growing tired in doing the love thing. 
So many times, loving each other and focusing on each other, fellowshipping with each other is a hard thing. But if we are the church, we are called to do it. My question, does your love grow more and more for each other? As a local church, as RLA, is your love growing deeper and more and more for one another? Not just your friends, not just the people that look like you, not just the people that you have some things in common. Are we growing in love together? I hope it does. And if it doesn't, I pray that you would check yourself. I pray that you would go to God. I pray that you would ask, Lord, why am I having such a hard time loving my brother and sister? Amen. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 11 through 12. And to make it your ambition to lead. Ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we have told you. My encouragement there is mind your business and get to work. Mind your business and get to work. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and to work with your hands just as we have told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so you will not be dependent on anybody. The church has won the respect of the city when we mind our business and we get to work. First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind with, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we are, we are still alive who are left until coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and, the, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise. Rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The church is strengthened by the certainty of Jesus's return. There's no reason for us to fear. There's no other reason for us to be afraid. Jesus is coming back and we will be with him. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6-9. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The church is alert. We have to be alert and we have to be self-controlled. Understanding the times and knowing what to do. 
1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 to 13. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. What does the church do? What's a staple and a foundation of a church? The church loves and honors their leaders. And I think it's something that we as a church, as a local church, as RLA, we need to do more of. I think we need to do more of. I think we need to give thanks to those who work amongst us. And I'm not saying that just for me. I'm saying me, myself, need to do some more honoring and more respecting and, 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 and give thanks to the people in RLA who say yes to God. But I think that we can all continue to love and honor our leaders well. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always, pray continually. The church, what does the church do? We rejoice always. We pray continually. The church does not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. But test them all, hold on to what is good, and reject every kind of evil. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19 to 21. The church does not quench the Holy Spirit. We allow the Spirit to move. We allow the Holy Spirit to be God. There is, there is power in the Holy Spirit. There is freedom in the Holy Spirit. We do not quench the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just slide through the next one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 10. The church has a revelation that God is faithful and just. 2 Thessalonians 1, 12. The church is one in whom the name of Jesus is glorified. What does the local church do? We glorify the name of Jesus. It's not the name of RLA. It's not the name of Restoration LA. It's not Rise Up Teens Ministry. We glorify the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Now, I apologize that that was shaky. I figured that copy and paste the scriptures would be more shaky. But apparently I can't read when I have everybody looking at me. What does the church do? What is your church about? We're about advancing the kingdom. And I, I wanted to invite everybody to stand this morning. The local church advances the kingdom of God. There's, there's different ways that that can look like for each and every one of us. It can be as simple as a baking day. It can be as big and grand as a, as a harvest crusade in East LA. It can be as small as a video game night and hanging out and bringing friends along to introduce you to your church friends. Or it can be as crazy as the Holy Spirit falling upon fire on, upon this church. Whatever it is, the church is called to advance the kingdom. We cannot get focused and, uh, and unfocused about the what's and the how's and the things. We advance the kingdom. That's our role as a church. That's what we do. 
We pray for each other. We break bread with each other. We fellowship with each other. We make time for each other outside of these, this, this room. The Lord will bless it. There is power behind it. And, and people will be added to that. And that is how we advance the kingdom. Even under persecution, even under stress, even under pressure, even in bad time, God is advancing his kingdom. He's advancing his church. And we have a part to play in it. Amen? Romans chapter 10 says, uh, verse 14 and 15 says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news our outlay, each and every one of us is the, are, is the church. We are the church and we have been handpicked by God. We have been chosen to carry out this mission. We have been chosen. We have not been overlooked to take the good news and the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit out, out of these walls. It's been a summoning. It's been a call by Jesus to do what God has called us to do, to be his people and to be about advancing his kingdom. And I hope that as a church that we would say yes to that. So this morning, as we end our, our, our message, I hope I did it justice. But I hope that you hear our heart of what does the local church do? We advance the kingdom. How do we advance the kingdom? Together, in prayer, in breaking of bread, in fellowship, and in trusting in the Lord, and watching him move, and watching him advance. But I did, like I said, wanted to make time this morning. Maybe you feel unequipped. Maybe you feel like this, this, the weight and the pressure of the church and going out with a message is just too big for you. I did want to pray, and I did want to encourage you. So if there's anybody here today who feel like, I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to advance this kingdom. I struggle with loving my, my neighbor to the left and the right of me. I, I don't know what to pray. I don't, I don't know what to cook when we gather. And we're just we're struggling with this thing of the early, what the early church did of just life together with no judgment or anything, if everyone has their eyes closed, if that's you, if you can just raise your hand. I just wanted to pray. And I'm sure we all have hangups and we all have reasons and we all struggle. But it's what God has called us to do. It's what God has called us to be as the church. You don't have to be an elder or a deacon you're called and you're chosen by God to go. You have the message, you have the word, and you have the Holy Spirit to empower you and to guide you and to lead you. Go out to this world and love them. So Lord, with those who have their hands raised, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just infill them. I pray, God, that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would give them courage. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give them questions on who to ask and how to ask and, and make the time to grow in your word and grow in your relationship with you. 
Lord, I pray, God, that they would know that they are seen. I pray that they would know that they are important. I pray, God, that they would know that they have a call of God on their lives, and that call is to advance the kingdom, to know that it looks different for everybody, but the mission doesn't change. Lord, I pray, God, as a local church, as RLA, God, that we would continue to say yes to this call, that we would continue to do what you are asking us to do and be who you're asking us to be, a light into this dark world. Lord, as we think about this week, God, of what the marks of a church and what it looks like, I pray, God, that we would remove all the other stuff of what we feel church needs to look like and what it needs to be. And I pray, God, that we would strip all of those things down. And I pray, God, that we would ask ourselves, as, as us as a church, are we advancing the kingdom? And I hope that everybody would say, be able to say yes in their own way. And if it's no, God, I pray, Lord, that you would download them with the strength and the courage and the revelation and the conviction to know that they can go to, that they have what it takes, they have all they need, and I pray, God, that we would be able to link arms together, God, and grow and strengthen our relationship and our fellowship together, God. Lord, the family of the church, we are called to be a body, Lord. And we're called to be an army. So, Lord, we thank you for the mission. And I just pray, God, that we would all say yes. Lord, we thank you, God, for dying on the cross for us. Lord, we thank you, God, for taking that, that sin and that shame and that guilt for us, Lord making a way, God, where there is no way. Even as we ran away from you, God, you called us friends, Lord, and you laid your life down so each and every one of us can say yes to you, God. I pray, Lord, that that would be our message. I pray, God, that is our good news. And it would be real to us and that we would share it, God, with everyone around us. Lord, I'm thankful for this church. I pray, God, that you would continue to bless them, continue to keep them safe, bless their time with their family, Lord, I pray, God, that they would honor you and glorify you, God, in this time. In this, in this time to be thankful, God. In thanksgiving, Lord, we give you thanks. We love you, King Jesus. We love this church. In your mighty name, amen. I know it was choppy. You don't have to tell me. I won't, I won't listen to this, this message back. But uh, go out to this world, be the hands and feet, be the mouthpiece of Jesus. God is calling you, you are chosen, you have what it takes. Thanksgiving is around the corner, you have a whole household of family that you can be Jesus to. Invite your friends, invite somebody to join you. Just a tip, all right? We love you guys, have a great time. Um, if, you're, if you're bringing any supplies, please let Brett or myself know. We love you guys, have a good day. Thank <laughs> you.